Listeners to this program never let me down. They reach out all the time with great story ideas. And this one is very special. Hi, this is Candy O'Terry, your host for the story behind her success. I got an email from Myrna Flynn. She works for the Montrose School in a little town called Medfield, Massachusetts. It's a Catholic girls' school. Anyway, she wrote to tell me about a high school senior who won an international award from Google co-founder Eric Schmidt and his wife, Wendy. It's all part of an initiative of Schmidt Futures and the Rhodes Trust. The idea is to create a $1 billion philanthropic venture, which you can discover for yourself at riseforthe-world.com. Brilliant young people from around the world between the ages of 15 and 17 are chosen through a series of essays and submissions and virtual interviews. What is unique about this scholarship is that it is for life. That's right. It's a lifelong investment in a young person valued at about $500,000. And this investment is made early on in the intelligence of these kids to become innovators and leaders points of light for the next generation. 50,000 teens from 170 countries competed for this award, addressing how they would work to solve a particular problem. So, you know I had to jump in my car with my remote equipment and take a ride to the Montrose School in Medfield to talk to one of these lifetime winners and find out a little bit more about her. She describes herself as a story lover, a smile connoisseur, a writer, and a visionary. Her name is Jen Uche. This is her story. Jen, welcome to the show. Hi, it's so nice to be here. So congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. The announcement of your RISE Global Scholarship happened live on Good Morning America yeah. a few months ago. <laughs> Take us back to that day. That was the last thing on my list for the things I had to do that weekend. And I was like, honestly, I thought it was just supposed to be like some sort of promotional thing for the rise. And uh, so you had no idea. No, I thought I was just supposed to like, oh, I'm going to talk about my rise project for like a quick 10 seconds and then get back. In. And I was like super stressed about like my French test that morning. <laughs> I had to go back to school. I was like, oh, gosh, I have a French exam. And then I have, oh, I have AP Gov to do. I wasn't really thinking about it. So there else. you were thinking, OK, this is just a promotional thing. Meanwhile, you're live on Good Morning America about to have your life changed. Exactly. Tell mm -hmm. us about your submission for the scholarship. Mm -hmm. You called it Project Lux. I already <laughs> like the name. How do you hope to serve the greater good with this idea? Well, during quarantine, I felt like I was completely overwhelmed with watching television and I was just like using it more as a antidepressant than something to inspire me. And I felt like, wow, my mindset's with watching these movies and these TV shows isn't the best thing for me, isn't the best way to enrich my soul. And I was like, okay, so maybe other youths feel the same way. And other youths might feel like we're just sort of bystanders in everything that's happening in the world. So I wanted to write a story the stories that inspired me. For example, Avatar The Last Airbender. I am a big fan of that show and I watched it like five times in like March. <laughs> and that show at the end, I watched it like the ending, spoiler alert, they saved the world. And I was like, wow, these youths, they saved the world. They made change. They inspired others. And I was like, why can't I do something like that? Why can't us youths do something like that? And so I want to do the same thing that's 
the creators of that show did for me. I want to create a show that inspires other youths to take action, that inspire youths to lend their voice out to their community. Tell me a little bit about your writing. When did you start writing? How old were you? Mm. Did you start diary writing? Like, oh how, did, how did it begin for you, Jen? Uh, <laughs> when was I not writing is the question. Honestly, I felt like I was always obsessed with stories, storytelling. Me, my siblings, and my mom, we used to live in motels and hotels, and so we'd watch the from that little box TV. We'd watch all these Powerpuff Girls. We'd watch... Cartoon Network, we'd watch all of those cartoons and we'd be like, oh my gosh, look at those superheroes. They're saving the world. And we'd like wrap ourselves with like blankets and like use it as capes and we'd dive all over the place. And I think it was that moment that I felt like, wow, I want to make something like that for someone else. I want to make a piece of artwork for another family inside of another motel so that they feel like they have some sort of power to change the world, that they have some sort of voice that they can lend to the world, that they have an impact. And so I guess from then on, I was just kind of writing my own little short stories. <laughs> you just mentioned growing up in motels. Mm -hmm. Talk to me a little bit about your family situation. So I have a mom and I have five younger siblings and then the youngest is five years old. So yeah, I'm the oldest of six. So <laughs> are you bossy? Are you bossy pants or what? I felt like I was a lot more bossy when I was younger. But now I feel like I'm just kind of annoying them. What was the reaction of the community here at oh the Montrose gosh. School? As soon as I got to school, I was like seeing everybody being so kind and like saying congratulations. And it was just like such a welcome, like a big warm hug. And I felt wonderful. You know, that's interesting. You say big warm hug. When <laughs> I walked in uh, today to interview you, I had the same sense that there's a real <laughs> community here at the Montrose yeah. School. Why did you choose this school? And mm -hmm. what does your faith mean to you to be in a school like this? Wonderful. So when I first shadowed here, it felt like those girls knew me forever. And I was like, oh, you guys are really close. And they're like, no. And then they like made me feel like I was really close to them. So my first day, it felt like I knew them since I was born. It was so funny. <laughs> and even before I got admitted into the school, I was like calling and texting some of the girls. And like they reached out to me. They sent me some fun stuff. They sent me a newspaper, which I later joined. <laughs> of course you did as a writer, right? Yeah. And as a person of faith, being able to come to Mass every single day and be able to reflect about my life in the light of God makes me feel like the things I do is a sort of vocation, you know? There's a saying for Montrose that says, where girls are called to greatness. That's a big oh, yeah. tall order, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. I feel like they really expect a lot from each student they expect the best from every student which is like a great thing it's like they won't focus on some students and like the rest fall into the background like every single student will have attention every single student will have a mentor every single student will be brought up with their peers and felt on the same level and challenged academically socially everything and like they'll feel they were through the ringer but also <laughs> yeah felt like that they came out on the other side shining like a diamond well speaking of shining like a diamond <laughs> you are going to be able to access so many things yes. through riseforthworld.com and through your rise global winner scholarship residential summit you're going to attend <laughs> mentorship and career services a network of people are going to always be there to lift you up, to hold you up. Yeah. How does all of this feel? 
it feels a little unreal. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I still haven't quite absorbed it, even though they announced it since like October, and I've been working on the Rise project since February. It feels like everything that God has planned is kind of falling into place. Like the first steps are there. <laughs> it's almost like a whole new chapter for you. Yeah. Isn't it? <laughs> Tell me a little bit about the application process, because oh. you know I'm thinking you must have been saying to yourself, "Okay, I have to really focus on this." And I really just want to take a nap. Like, I'm thinking this thing must have taken you forever to do. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So, in February, I'm in a few writing communities and, like, on Discord. And sometimes we, we're all students. And so, sometimes we send each other, like, scholarship opportunities or, like, some programs. And a friend of mine sent me a link to Rise. And she told us, hey, guys, check this out. Rise for the World. Founders are former CEO of Google, Eric Schmidt, and his wife, uh, Wendy Schmidt, they both founded this program. And I was like, wow, the winners get this much money? Are, are you sure? Is it not divided among all 100 of them? Like, no, nope, it's not. And I thought she like wrote a typo when she said 500K. <laughs> I thought you added an extra zero. <laughs> wow. Yeah, How long February. did it take you? So February, we did our intro videos. And then all of March was like the time to collect like do the actual act part of your RISE program. So I think even before then, I was brainstorming story ideas just for fun. I was scripting some things because I've always wanted to write a TV show. And so in March, I started actually getting actors. I started actually like scripting. I started actually like recording with them. And I decided to make it into a podcast because it was still COVID time. I didn't want to go in person. So having a podcast made me able to get actors from around the world, which is really fun. Yeah. <laughs> so you developed an idea for a script. Yeah. And can you give me the flavor for what this show is all about? Oh, yeah. So I called it EC Monster Training, like EC as an extracurricular and then colon Monster Training. So it's definitely inspired by Marvel. X-Men gets those vibes. And so it's about a world where the humans have evolved into some of them have developed monster-like traits and sort of have powers of some sort of kind and people are afraid of those people and so they decided to like cut down on those powers and like limit them and like discriminate against them and so there's a group of kids nine of them they all have monster traits but they don't want to succumb to like the idea of being a villain. Instead, they decide to be vigilantes instead and be heroes in their own community. So it's a good versus evil kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> the classic story, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a rough world mm -hmm. right now. It's a rough world. It's a rough country. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of division. Yeah. How do you see the world through your 17-year-old eyes? <laughs> I feel like especially trying to talk with people, trying to communicate with others. I think that I see the world as a story that's yet to be told, that I need to find people. If I want ever want to learn about the world, I find those people and I ask them to tell me their stories. And so I learn from them, from their stories. If I were to meet someone that's the complete opposite of me, I don't want them to talk to me. I want to be their friend. <laughs> so yeah, I feel like the story, the world is just kind of Especially when I was finding actors for the story, I had some people from the Philippines, I had some people from Britain. And so it was like, it, felt, it made the world feel a lot smaller, especially when we got the 500 finalists that were all over the globe and we were talking to them on Discord and it, we were having so many conversations and like comparing different sorts of 
government with economics and it was like so interesting and i was like wow these people are brilliant oh my yeah. gosh <laughs> and it also doesn't it make the world feel a little bit smaller it makes it too it makes so much smaller yeah as a young citizen of the world with all of its beauty and all of its flaws how do you stay hopeful for your generation i feel like i was definitely enlightened when i met some of our fellow global winners like we're having um, some programs right now. And I felt that these kids are brilliant. I felt that, wow, I'm meeting so many amazing other teenagers that want to change the world, want to shape the world, that also have their favorite shows, have their favorite hero stories. And I feel like as long as they're, they have something to inspire them, then yeah, I think we'll be fine. What is the best piece of advice you've ever received in your life? And can you share that with our listeners? I don't remember where this song was from. I don't know if I made it up when I was a kid or if my mom made it up. She and I used to always sing, keep trying, keep trying, don't give up, don't give up. Keep trying, keep trying, it'll get better, it'll get better. And it's just always the determination to keep going, to keep going. If I'm failing physics, then I need to go talk to the teacher. (laughs) It's not the end of the world. If I feel like I won't be able to catch up, if I feel like I can't get this story out, I just have to keep going, have to keep trying, have to... Just keep moving. Oh my gosh, I had cross country in ninth grade. I, I was the worst person on the team, but it was awesome because I had my friends backing me up and saying, keep going, keep going. And I was like, I'm never doing this again, but I'll keep going. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me a little bit about your mom, because she sounds like a role model to me. Yeah, she is. My mom is the reason why I have such deep faith. And so she's always been seeing each of us, like each of my siblings, as telling them, to do their best, (laughs) that they will do something that she believes that God has a plan for each of us. So, yeah. She's your role model? Yes, for sure. Anybody else in the world that you think is a role model that you look up to? Definitely two people. Lin-Manuel Miranda. Oh my gosh, I love him. Okay. I used to watch some old videos of him when he would perform Hamilton all by himself. (laughs) It was so funny. And like people would laugh, but it would be like so wonderful that he's showing his own work off and he's like performing it by himself and sooner or later it'll come on to Broadway and then also Amanda Gorman with her poem that she wrote for the inauguration at the White House that just inspires so many people with their poetry and just those two are just so wonderful. Tell me a little bit about your plans for college. So I did Questbridge so I was fortunate to be called a National College Match Scholar. So I matched with UChicago, University of Chicago. So I get to go there, um, full tuition, full ride. Bring your winter clothes. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's like the Northeast, so I'm glad I wanted to get some Even colder, I'm telling you. Oh, yeah, I'm excited. We all had to pivot during COVID, and you Mm -hmm. talked a little bit about this earlier. How did you stay focused in school, and how did you stay connected to your friends during quarantine? Oh, in Montrose, we went remote from March until the end of the year in when I was in 10th grade. And then we came back for a new in-person semester in when I was in 11th grade. So I was in person half the time. I was in Zoom half the time. So I was connecting with my friends. We talked, we chatted, we FaceTimed okay. <laughs> and we were in person. So when I was coming down to my schoolwork <laughs> alongside Rise, I felt like 
oh my gosh my junior year was so it was hectic it was crazy i felt like oh my gosh i'm and just charging junior through. year is hard to begin with Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good yeah. word for you <laughs> <laughs> all right a couple of heady questions for you because yeah. we ask every woman who sits where you are these oh, no. questions what is your greatest strength and the gift that you cherish the most probably my ability to listen I feel like when I was first learning to write, I would always like look at other writers and their stuff and I'd integrate their writing into mine and try and match it. Or I'd listen to someone's story or I'd hear people on the train or in the bus or in my car and I'd hear them talk and I'd be like, oh, that's a funny piece of dialogue that you just said, I don't know, put it in here. <laughs> because people say the stupidest, funny, um, w- most wonderful things that you can that are just golden nuggets of wisdom. Yes, but you know what? <laughs> Those are observations of human nature. Yeah. Right? And that's what's going to make you a great storyteller. Is that your secret weapon? I guess so. (laughs) We are always looking for something about ourselves to improve, no Mm -hmm. matter how old we are. Mm -hmm. What is that one thing that you feel like you need to improve? I have it right away. My procrastination. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. I am such a procrastinator. It's so bad that... I feel like I think I it's because of the motto that I have inside my head. If I leave it to the last minute, it'll only take a minute. <laughs> oh, wait, that's a great that's, one. It's so bad. It, it's I need to get rid of it. <laughs> but yeah, sometimes I just leave things to the last minute. I bet um, your mother pushes you along when that happens. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure. When an obstacle is in your path, Jen, how do you get around it? So if I am... Having writer's block, I would watch a TV show. <laughs> if I'm feeling all sad, I'd watch a TV show. So I feel like it's just watching TV, watching my favorite shows, watching my favorite characters, and then they overcome their conflicts and seeing them do that. It was like, wow, <laughs> it'll be nice. To if do they that can myself. do it, I can do it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Give me a vision through your eyes of our country. What do you see? Mm-hmm. How can you make things better? And what will you contribute to the greater good in your perfect world? Mm -hmm. Well, I see a country that will listen to each other, that can understand, that will soften their hearts, and that isn't so remote from each other, won't call this side, oh, that side says this, that side says that, those people say this, those people say that. I envision a world where people will talk about issues and not judge people based off of them. And I feel like that world could be accomplished if we listen to each other more, if we listen to each other's stories, if we understand that there is no such thing as villains, really. Would you have ever imagined when you were a little girl in a motel room (laughs) that you would be sitting here with me today being interviewed on the story behind her success about how far you've come (laughs) and your family have come? No. (laughs) Short story, no, not at all. I felt like I would always write stories by myself in my little notebook or my little laptop. (laughs) I never really thought that something that I've made would be able to have some sort of recognition or more so my ideas or more so my attitude would be something that people would say that's a good thing (laughs) and want to hear more about it yeah you are the youngest woman I have interviewed on this show (laughs) 
which is all about success. The oldest woman, I believe, is 85. So that's my that's my time span. I'm looking for a 100-year-old woman. So if anybody knows one, I'd love to talk to her. Jen, I've handed you my 16 life lessons. These are pieces of wisdom that I've gathered over time from some very smart women. Is there anything on that page that resonates for you? Well, it'd be, for me, the first one, the one that says, wake up grateful. So I have like a little jar that I started in January as a New Year's resolution that I'd write every day, something that awesome that happened to me or something good that happened to me. So whether it's, oh, I had cake or um, I got to do car karaoke with my friends during lunch or anything that was fun, I'd write it in a slip of paper and I'd put it in a jar and I'd write the date. And so whenever I feel like, oh, nothing's going well, nothing's going my way, I'd go and sit, like I dip my hand in there and I'd just like kind of rummage around and I'd get a piece of paper and, um, I'd read that and I'd say, oh, me and my siblings, we watched an anime together and we laughed and cried and it was beautiful. And so I'd feel happy and I would remember that moment. And I remember life is just, it could be nice. (laughs) Success is viewed in different ways. Mm -hmm. I believe in different chapters in our lives. Yeah. At this moment, at 17, as a Rise Global winner, how do you see success? How do you define success? The word success? Oh, that's a good question. I actually wrote a mock research paper. It was more like a short story, more nonfiction, where in my Discord server with some of my writer friends, most of them are in high school, some of them are freshmen or sophomores in college. And we used to be so stressed out about how do we appeal ourselves to colleges? How do we show our success as writers to colleges? And we had like this one night thing, we were like, this is crazy. We used to be friends, but now we're just writers who are like colleagues who are like, oh, can you edit this real quick so I can submit it to this contest? And I was saying in my research paper, research, I put it in air quotes, research paper, that the youth today were born with magic mirrors and those magic mirrors are laptops. They're phones, their social media, their Instagram, it's TikTok, it's all of that stuff. And we get a vision of amazing successes, the 1% as our standard. We grow up with Supermans in real life that we get to see every single day. And that's a lot of pressure. (laughs) We get that pressure and we feel that we have to try and achieve that. We feel that we have to have 70 publications by the time we're 18. We feel that we have to get gold medals for um, some sort of contest. We feel that we have to do all of that stuff that only that sort of thing can validate us as writers. And we were like, I miss just writing for fun. And I remember feeling so wonderful when I was doing that NaNoWriMo um, when I was in ninth grade. I wrote like 50K of some horrible novel (laughs) that later inspired my podcast, but it was just a wonderful feeling when I finally got to that 51K and I was like, wow, I wrote this thing and I'm submitting it to no one and really no one has really read it. Maybe some of my siblings have read some chapters, but I enjoyed it and it it was fulfilling. It was something that I look forward to every single day. And doing something, I think, doing something that you like every single day, doing something that you look forward to, that beautiful thing that like, you wake up and dream about and 
you think about all the time and being able to do that thing. That is what I call success. Wow. <laughs> Jen Uche, I want to say thank you so much for being our guest on the story <laughs> behind her success. Thank you for sharing your 17-year-old wisdom. I've learned a lot from sitting here with you today. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, you can... so much. This was wonderful. And that's the story behind her success for this week. If you know a woman I should interview for the show, reach out and tell me about her. Just go to my website, candyoterry.com. There's also a full library of stories for you to listen to anytime you need a little dose of inspiration. Follow me on Facebook at Candy O'Terry Official and on all other platforms at Candy O'Terry. And whether you're listening on one of our radio affiliates or from your smartphone, we'll have a fresh episode for you next week on the story behind her success. And remember, when we lift each other up, we all rise.